tuning in. Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you add the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around town, all around the city, all around the country, state, whatever, wherever you may be. That's it. <laughs> and, and right now is the perfect time to get your questions well, answered thoroughly. Absolutely so. And I see Kevin's called already bright right. and early. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, uh, just wanted to let you know, because I've made the mistake before, if I ever call you Brian and Terry, I don't... <laughs> it's actually Brian Terry. Yeah. <laughs> He's got two first names. Yep. <laughs> actually, actually, three first names, but we're not going there today, so... Yeah, I got you. <laughs> hey, I wanted to let you guys know, thank you so much for touching on the suspension issue. That was actually a lot of really interesting. Uh, we're just driving home from Cleveland okay. today. I was able to listen to that this morning, but uh, I was wanting to say we found a solution for the suspension on that car uh, okay. dad actually sold it yesterday there you so. go. <laughs> that, that'll do it that'll sure do uh, it yes it will I, I did have a question for okay. you i don't know how you would categorize this i guess it is a form of maintenance okay you were speaking before like with windows you know you use a little bit of the silicone to, right uh, to lubricate the corners of the window so that it slides in the track a little easier mm-hmm. Is there something that you suggest for sunroofs as well to keep those, you know, lubricated and yeah. moving smoothly? Basically, that's almost exactly the same thing as a window as far as the tracks and all. I would treat it the same way. Just clean it and some type of a dry silicon lube on it would work just fine. Okay. And what about like the, the rain track or the, uh, they actually have pads for the water to run down. I know in my little GTI, mm-hmm. they had trouble with those clogging and you would actually get uh, but they water can. right over your fuse box yes, right. sir. Mm-hmm. little cars about the only thing you can do with that kevin if you have a compressor like low pressure and a little blow gun with a rubber tip you can if you can get to it you have to open the thing completely up if you can get to that you can blow air through there and blow the debris out every so often but okay. beyond that it's just a plastic track i mean obviously clean it out if you can but it's just so difficult to get to most of that stuff the way it's put in there you really sure. can't hardly get to the tracks, and most of us going to run down to the drain. But if you can get to the drain, we've got a blow gun with like a piece of plastic tubing on the end of it that's sort of flexible that we use on those. And okay. I, Jeff will kind of wiggle it down in there, get it into that hole, and stick it down and give it a little blast of air to blow them out. We fix an awful lot of them like that. You just got to be careful not to use that without that little tube because if you put that compressed air right on the top of that hole, Sometimes you mm-hmm. can blow the tube off the end of right, the, the up fitting. inside the wheel, the and then, window pillar. Right, and then you got to take the window pillar apart and try to put it back together. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. I was going to say, back when I was in the oil field, I actually bought a set of cheap bagpipes, and I couldn't get the drones to work. And a friend of mine at the shop I was working at, one of the mechanics, said, mm-hmm. well, we have an air compressor here. We could just pump that with some air. And I said, well, that sounds like it might blow it. He said, no, we got a regulator. We'll just mm-hmm. turn it down. Right. And tried doing that, but the regulator was broke, so it put about 100 pounds oh. of pressure in that <laughs> bagpipe. I bet that made, made a sound, most, huh? It made the most glorious sound you've ever heard, right, until it blew the channel reed right off. The uh-huh. so it was, uh, wow. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. Just wanted to call and say hello. Hope things are going well, and I appreciate you taking my call this morning. Great, Kevin. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, you man. Too. Bye. All right, 291-6901. Put a 225 in front of it. You can call us from anywhere in the United States. We sure appreciate you, Kyle. And you know that those drains stopping up, that not only doesn't 
only happen in sunroofs it happens in air conditioning boxes also that's right basically the same sort of a setup and yeah a little rubber uh, the, the drain, drain tube of some sort i've seen them plug up and what'll happen the water will back up and drip inside the car yep i've also seen the little rubber end blow off or come off fall off and the road draft under the car will push the water back into the right. box i know chrysler had some trouble with that and what would happen is that if you were idling in a parking lot it would drip just fine sure but when you're going down the interstate 60 miles an hour the wind under the car would blow the water back into the box so it wouldn't drip out it would overflow inside the car (laughs) yep and they came out with a little l-shaped rubber nipple you could put on the end of there i think it was on some of the caravans and stuff back in the 90s early 2000s somewhere back in in there they had a problem with that and it was weird because people would drive around town they wouldn't have much trouble they'd go on vacation and it would start overflowing in the car and they thought well my core is freezing up mm-hmm. i'm driving a longer distance but it wasn't the core freezing up it was, it was just, just the air pushing right the, the high water speed back. driving for a longer period of time yep let's go back to alfonso glenn good morning glenn good morning lewis and brian hey i love your show i Thank always li- listen on podcast i'm in los angeles oh, and uh, so i pick up your show on podcast i wanted to talk to you today about something rather basic mm-hmm. but i feel rather important that has to do with the tightening of lug nuts mm-hmm on cars you have an excellent excellent article on your website lug nuts torque and keeping the wheels on Mm -hmm. Um, whenever i put a wheel on a car i typically use either a torque stick Mm -hmm. my impact driver or a torque wrench and uh seat tighten in a cross pattern and tighten in, in like it steps up to the correct work many times um, in fact almost every time that i have gone into a shop mm-hmm. a supposedly professional shop i see person get out with a impact driver and they just run down the lug nuts and go zip 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 and yeah. put the wheel on the car and to me that is just such a wrong practice it that really just, is and you know glenn that causes so many problems i remember back uh several years ago one of the little ford i think it was a little escort they had trouble with those. What would happen if you torqued those lugs down like that, over-torqued them, it would pull on that hub so hard that it would smash the little splines where the CV axle went in the center. And right. if you ever had to take that CV joint out, you were going to have to get a cutting torch and cut it off. It was not coming out of there. Right. You had to replace it because by the time you did get it out, it was so damaged until you couldn't reuse it again. But it just shows the amount of force you can apply with those lug nuts by mis-servicing them. And that's been a persistent problem in the trade for years and years and years i guess information just filters down slowly and yeah they need to be torqued and i like the torque stick in deference to a torque wrench because a torque wrench is fine except that it requires two steps right the first is you have to tighten them kind of (laughs) loose leave them loose and then set the car down to hold the wheel still while you torque Mm. them again and when you put two steps a chance you could forget and leave them loose right Whereas with a torque stick, you can do it with the thing in the air. So, and the only disadvantage to a torque stick is you have to tune it by the amount of air pressure that you're putting into the gun. Okay, because if okay. you got if you're running, let's say you're running 175 pounds of air pressure into an impact gun, it's going to hammer harder than it would if it, you were running 125 pounds. Right. So the torque yeah. is going to change. So you have to figure out what the the torque stick the is correct designed air to pressure work with and regulate correct. your air system. Correct to that or allow for it either way and beyond that the only other thing with the torque stick i know some people like to hold their hand around that torque stick while they're talking and that will change the yes. torque that's one of the things we yeah. found you have to 
put it on the wheel, hold the gun, but leave that because it has to flex. If you put your hand around it, you're effectively increasing the mass of the torque stick, so you change the torque. And that's really a bad habit to right. be in it in any case because you don't want your hand on something spinning that fast because you cannot get away from it if it breaks. Let's say you right. let's say you broke the socket open, it would tear your hand yeah. up before you could get away from right. it. So the, the practice of putting your hand around something that's spinning that fast right. is just not a, good idea. not a very good idea at all. I agree. I agree. So I wanted to also convey a, something that I've experienced. You know, I, I belong to a church in my community, and I, I service people's cars. I'm not a professional mechanic. Mm-hmm. I'm a total do-it-yourselfer. I quite often have people from my church come to my garage, and I do service on their cars. And inevitably, I take their wheels off to do some kind of service and put it back on. And, of course, I use either the torque stick or the torque wrench. And many mm-hmm. times people watching me will say, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? It takes so long. Uh-huh. And I explained to them the importance of it. And two different people on two different occasions conveyed to me stories where they went to some supposedly professional shop mm-hmm. and they put the wheels on their car and they got on a freeway in Los Angeles and their wheel came off. Yes. yes. And that's happen. extremely interesting. I've and seen, one case, seen it too yeah, loose and I've seen it too tight. Yep. Exactly. In one case, it went over the center divider, mm. went into another person's car, resulted in a lawsuit, and it was really, really Oh, yeah. Bad. Yeah, well, that so could easily so be a fatality. Sure. Yes, yes. So, anyway, I just wanted to bring up, and thank you so much for your article. It's excellent. It goes into all kind of details about the types of lug nuts and over-tightening. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really yeah. excellent. Probably more, if, more information than most people yeah. would ever want to know. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, Ben. Thanks for the call, man. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive line, we're going to take our first quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. Plan to motor west. Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Ah, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We certainly appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And we've got John online. Good morning, John. Hi, calling from Canada. Hey, Mr. John. My son has a 2014 Hyundai four-cylinder, and I know they've had very big problems with bearings failing on them. Okay. I'm wondering if, what your experience has been with them. They're very poor on fixing them, and I, I'm afraid he's going to get caught with it one day, and they're not going to fix it. Yeah, I've not been really excited about Hyundai's warranty. One thing I found out about it, we had a gentleman come in with fairly, I think they're supposed to have like a 100,000-mile warranty, he had about 70, but he was not the original owner of the car. And they told him that warranty was not transferable. In other words, there was no, I only... heard that it, w- it, w- it went to 60. It's different in Canada anywhere. Okay. Our warranties are 
are different anyway, okay. time-wise. But mm-hmm. I was just wondering, as far as fixing them, like they, they, my son went in the boat. They originally were going to actually recall them and replace the engines, but I think they find it's just too much money. So they they get you to come in, and then they say, "Oh, it's okay," and they they send them away, and they said it's okay. How do you how can you tell? If a bearing's going to fail without pulling the engine apart. Man, there's really no way other than noise. Right. Monitor the noise level. If the noise is getting louder, then clearly something's failing. The other way would be to monitor the oil pressure because as bearing clearance increases, oil pressure is going to decrease. Okay. So that would be two ways to give you an indication, but it's kind of an inferred indication. It still doesn't, I mean, without tearing the engine down, there'd be no way to know for certain. I mean, really and truly, John, where all this comes from, in my opinion, is these extended oil changes that they say are okay. And, I mean, when the manufacturer tells you it's okay to go 10,000 miles between oil changes, it's kind of hard for the average customer to argue about that. But I'm going to tell you, we did not see all these kind of problems before all that began. And now we see it so commonly that it's just ridiculous. I mean, you're never, ever, ever going to save enough money on oil change to make up for one Instance like this, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been advising them on that, and I don't think there's a problem that way. Mm-hmm. But I'm just concerned that some of it's just poor so design. Many, so many of these engines have gone, and people are then either in the center lane of the main highway, and it just stops, and they get they get killed as the people drive in them. That's why they, you know, with recalls, they don't recall unless it's a safety. That's issue. correct. If you could tie it into a safety it. issue, then you could get maybe some some action on it. But I have not seen where anything like that's happened. I know we've replaced a few of those engines. And we don't work on a tremendous number of Hyundais. We have a handful of them we work on. But I remember the only one, like I said, in the States, they had a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty, clearly, on the internal engine. But the guy says, well, I was only to the original owner. I said, how can you even do that? I yeah. mean, that doesn't even make sense. But they would not do anything for him at all, nothing. He had to pay to put a motor in it. My suggestion to him was to get rid of it and get another car. Yeah, well, and the problem he had is his car's worth zero if that engine goes. Yeah, it wasn't worth anything. He figured I could put an engine in, maybe get another year out of it, and still sell it and get some money back, which I I guess is what he did. But he did put an engine in it. Yeah, and an engine for that's what? Five thousand. Oh, it was expensive. No, it was it was about seven if I remember right, because the motor was extremely expensive. That's U.S. funds. It'll be ten Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. And the car's probably worth about seven. Yeah, I understand. We had to buy the motor from Hyundai because it was none available used or any right. other kind of way. And I want to say the motor was about $5,500, and it was about 1500 to put it in. So, Yeah, it's a disgrace. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks, fellas. Nice chatting with you. All right, John. Thanks, man. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. We got people from all over the country and all over the, I'm wo- the you. world, but I didn't have anybody in Baton Rouge car. <laughs> Shame on you guys. Man. I'm telling you. But I thought we would talk a little bit today, and our first caller kind of stole my thunder on that, but I thought we'd talk a little bit about power windows and stuff. Uh-huh. And people have power window problems a lot, and one of the first things they usually assume that is is the motor. For some reason, that's just the first thing that pops into people's mind when the power window quits working. Right, but there's so many other components well, and, of it. You know, ironically, rarely do we see a motor bad. Not anymore. We used to. Yeah, when it went but, to the permanent magnet motors, they eliminated a lot of the motor problems. Right. We but, see way, way more often. Mo- well, most of your manufacturers have gone from a scissor-type lift regulator regulator mm-hmm. to a cable driven regulator right. and we see a lot of trouble with those tons of troubles with the regulators some problem with the wiring right and a fair amount of trouble with the switches right is what we see more than the than motor problems 
And let's catch another phone call. We'll be back with a lot more on that. We've got Andrew online. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Sir. I've got a 2009 Toyota Land Cruiser, Mm -hmm. and my door locks, my electronic door locks, Mm -hmm. are constantly not working. Mm -hmm. Any any advice or options for me? Almost always on that one, Andrew, is going to be the uh, what they call the door lock actuator. It's a little motor. It's not like the old days where it had a magnet that just boom and pulled it down like a solenoid. It doesn't work that way. It's a little stepper motor, and it, it works on counts. It actually cranks it down. It's driven by the body control module and on and on and on. And it's, what happens, they get off sync, and it's all internal to that little mechanism. To the, to the mechanism. And they'll work every once in a while, but they won't work a lot of the times. And unfortunately, about the only thing you can do is replace me, the actuators, and they are fairly expensive. So, and that's not just a Toyota problem. That's pretty much across every car across the board since they've gone to this newer technology. I mean, they looks like to me they take something that is so simple, a function so simple, and they put so much complexity into it that it's great when it's working, but boy, when it breaks, you know, it's hold on because those actuators i want to say are a couple hundred bucks a piece and you know there's several four hour, or five of them on the car hour labor at least to get and in there by, at least them. an hour to get to them so you're talking a significant amount of money by the time you replace them all and generally when one's bad the other ones aren't too far behind right so the first time i replaced the two front ones mm-hmm. at a toyota dealership it mm-hmm. cost me a thousand dollars wow yeah and then they both quit working and then i replaced the driver's door because i was told that would fixed the whole problem and of mm-hmm. course it did not and mm-hmm. now it doesn't work either so yeah and you know you might want to make sure if the actuators have been changed and the problem keeps coming back make sure we don't have like a broken wire or something corroded terminal corrosion term see a wire can break inside the insulation and the two tips still touch together sometimes but you go in there and you replace the motor you move the wire and it starts working so you think you fixed it except it comes back again i would be looking for something like that and to find that, if it if it's completely broken, doesn't work at all, it's going to be real easy to diagnose. You go to the motor or to the actuator, and you see if you got a signal there. If you got a signal there and it's still not working, well, then you know it's inside the actuator. But if you don't have a signal there, you have to trace it back and see where it's dropping out. And what it does, the switch sends a pulse to the body module. The body module sends a signal to the actuator. So there's a lot of hardware and wiring and stuff in between the two. And a loose connection anywhere in there could cause that same problem. You go in, you replace the actuator, you move everything around, and it starts working for a while. So you think you fixed it, but really you just kind of, you know, working on the symptom. Great. Thanks. I appreciate the advice. Okay, Andrew. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. And the we were talking a little bit about window motors, and I'll right. be back to uh, door lock actuators, too, because it's kind of all the way along the same field, but. One of the questions that I get a lot, I get a lot of email about this. They say, my window works okay going down, but won't work going up. Okay. So I think the switch is bad. But in reality, what is happening is one of two or three things. One is the window tracks have gotten gummed up on it, and gravity is working with With you you going down. Sure. So the weight of that window is fairly heavy it's pulling down it's it can go down but when it goes to go up gravity's working against you so it plus, doubles the load plus all the corrosion and, and the stuff gum and in stuff the, in the window in the tracks. tracks we fix a lot of those by simply cleaning the rubber window tracks right and you can just take a good detergent of any kind get it on a towel put your fingers in the air clean it out good get all the gum and stuff out take some window cleaner clean the glass and now, then get a dry silicon type lubricant and you can just brush that into that track to give it just a little bit of lubrication. 
And they also make a dry spray that you can use. Without taking the door panel off to access the rest of the track. Mm-hmm. Because the track is not just what you see on the top. Right. It extends down inside right. the door. Clean what you can. If it starts working better, then you may want to take the option to go ahead, take the door panel off, get in there and clean the rest of the tracks out. Right. And, of course, the thing is there, too, if you keep it clean, you it won't. probably won't get down into the lower right. tracks because that's not exposed to weather. It's the stuff on the top that gets drugged down into the bottom. Correct. So it's one of those things, if you neglect it, it's going to get worse and it's going to become more expensive because you have to remove the door panel now to get to the lower track. Whereas if you just kept the upper tracks clean, the lowers wouldn't need attention. Would probably not have ever needed attention. And yeah, it's not something you have to do every week, obviously. No. But when you wash or detail your car, I would say at least maybe a couple of times a year, go in there and clean those tracks out. Sure. And you're generally not going to have problems with those sorts of things. Along the same lines, like your door locks and all, you can see the latch you can see the mechanical part of the latch you can't see the electrical part and all but just a tiny squirt of lubricant on that latch mechanism every so often can help prevent the electrical part from going bad sure because it's not working as hard to try to turn that stuck mechanism as it would if it's turning a free mechanism yeah if you ever take anything that's dry and try to move it and then put a little lubricant on it see how much easier it moves yeah, how much incredibly easier it's going to move and all it lowers the load on the motor. When you lower the load, you lower the amperage the motor draws. Correct. So you lower the failure rate significantly. Yeah. yeah. It's like almost everything else. A little bit, you know, say a stitch in time saves nine. Just a little bit of lubricant now and there. And the same thing like on your hood hinges and your hood latches, your trunk latch sure. and all that. And you don't want to get crazy with this. You don't want to take a big gob of red wheel bearing grease and smear on it because... <laughs> Your wife gets in with a nice white linen dress and gets that on there, and you're going to have a bigger problem than a yeah. door lock. So a little bit of clear spray, like a silicon-type spray, will work fine. Sure. Even WD-40 will work in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Just spray it up inside that latch. But don't get crazy with it. Take a paper towel and wipe off the outside of the door because when people get in and out, particularly ladies with a dress that kind of flip, you know, flatters around or a gentleman with a jacket on, that can get on there and lubricant does not really lubricate clothing no not at all <laughs> what it does at best it gives you a very expensive trip to the dry cleaner or yeah. a little note right. from the dry cleaner saying we can't remove this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry but that's uh, this is all we can do yeah time for another jacket there so hey we'll take one more quick little break be right back with a whole lot more Paul, I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early, and they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar. And I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie. (laughs) I mean my car, into Agco for a general inspection. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us in the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Between Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. 
There you go. Get you an answer to whatever you might be interested in. We were talking a little bit about windows and door locks and such today, but we'll take call on any topic you may have. That we will. we still got several, several minutes. Several minutes we're going to get out a little early today because of the baseball game, but we still got sure, some time. plenty of time. <laughs> I mean, you brought up a good point during the break, and that is the window regulators, which are basically it's just a metal track with a little plastic slide, two little wheels, and a cable. Uh-huh. And what we generally see, I know Ford had a tremendous problem, and Mazda uses the same design as Ford. Right. They had a tremendous problem. And what happened, a little plastic wheel just breaks. When it does, the cable just nods all up, wads up inside the motor. Exactly. And it's useless at that point. There's no repair. You have to replace the whole regulator assembly. Some of your regulators, depending on which application for it, some of them come with a motor already ready to go in the vehicle. Some of them do come with the motor. Some come without the motor. just depends on what kind you're buying. But the thing is... It's talking about prevention on there. The only prevention there, again, is like we talked about earlier, keep those tracks clean. Sure. Because that component is designed to the minimum standard that it takes to run the window up and down. Now, on a clean, dry window, like when the car was built brand new. It works perfectly. It works fine. And it would probably work that way great, except that some kid in the parking lot throws a Coca-Cola inside your window and it gums those tracks up or just grit and grind bills in there. As the load starts to increase, the motor works harder, and it pulls against that cable harder, and this stuff is very, very minimal. Oh, it is. There's no bearing or anything. It's just a plastic roller with a, with a bolt through rivet through the center through it, yeah. of it. And you put a little bit of load on that, and snap, it breaks. And when it does, the cable knots up. When I into tearing the door down, taking the whole window apart, taking all, you, you're into a three or $400 repair if you're lucky. Some of those regulators have an access place where you can take it out of the door. Mm-hmm. Some of the regulators, you have to take the glass. It, the glass has to be in a certain place to access the bolts mm-hmm. to take the glass loose from the regulator. You have to take the glass out the door. And then the regulator unbolts from the door itself, mm-hmm. slides up through the hole where the glass was, and then comes out. So depending on the application, it could get quite expensive. Well, that's right. And so many of them don't bolt at all. They rivet, rivet. in with a special rivet gun. It's not your normal pop rivet gun. It's a big quarter-inch rivet. Sure. And those are special dealer-specific rivets. If you put just a steel rivet you might buy on Amazon and crank down that big gun, you may break the glass. It's happened before. They're they're designed to crush a certain amount and then snap off. And if you get the wrong rivet, I've seen glasses broke a whole lot of times. Yep. So it gets very complex, and it's just the way cars are built. They're made to be assembled quickly. Sure. And you can't substitute a bolt for that rivet in the application. Because there's nowhere the bolt, right? There's no way to access the bolt, even if you could get one in it. Well, they move relative. The glass is moving relative to all these components inside, and the clearances on it are so small that there's just nowhere for a bolt head or a nut to fit. It's got to be that rivet that pops off almost flush, and then it has room to move around in there. And like I said, we generally buy those rivets from the manufacturer because I found that the universal rivets that you use are just not quite the same. Right? They're either too loose and it starts rattling, or they break the glass. Right. And it just doesn't work out. So, again, the best big tip we can give on that is to keep those tracks nice and clean and lubricated. Sure. You can prevent a whole lot of problems. And, you know, should you happen to have to go into a door, get service data and figure out how that door panel comes off. Mm-hmm. All of them come off different. Some They're of them are different. snapped on. Some of them lift off. Some of them you have to lift up and detach the release cable. A handful Before of them have you a couple take screws off. you take out, and right. then something else. Each one is different with its own application, mm-hmm. and you can really mess one up. And the bad part about it is most of those panels aren't available anymore. Right. If it's an older car, you're probably not going to be able to get the panel. 
And on my website, I've got an article. Just type in door panel, and there's an article on how to remove door panels. And it certainly doesn't have every single application there, but it's got a lot of them. I know, like on the Chevrolet pickup, Silverado Series pickup, there's mm-hmm. a little cable that runs from the door handle to the which latch is part itself. of the the panel and goes to the latch. It's kind of short and it's kind of tight. Right. And if you just grab that panel and yank it, you're going to break the cable or the attachment. Or the attachment. And you got to buy a door panel to get that. Right. So it gets very, very expensive mistake real, real, real quick. There's always a hidden screw behind some kind of little panels in almost every application. Well, and when you get everything out and apart and like it goes, it just comes right off. That one on the Silverado lifts up off several ears that are in the panel. Right. I've seen the, the panels broken because somebody grabbed it and pulled it like the previous year was. You're not going to be able to pull this apart. Not it's, this it's one. It's not where something where you can force it apart. When everything is done right, it's going to come. It's going to slip apart. So if you grab it and you pull, you break the ears off, and the one you've ruined the door panel, and if it goes more than you think because those ears let go and you break this cable, right. now you're really into a big issue. So, in, in fact, there was a special tool made to access that cable in so you can take it off without breaking it. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that in the service data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a matter of being really, really careful. If you are a rough kind of guy, or, or gal or whatever then it's probably not the sort of work you need to undertake you know in fact we got people at the shop that i let do more of that work sure. like jeff for instance is very meticulous he's right. very fastidious he will sit there and piddle and he's he's able to do that kind of stuff whereas i know you do framework and heavier work a whole lot more you're not as suited to doing that kind of work you can do it you oh, know yeah. how to do it but you're just not as patient as someone who does <laughs> that kind of work would be well, and that's why, if you ever notice, we give, like, the dashes and sure. door panels and stuff sure. to those guys. In fact, I'll, I'll admit right now, I'm not a dash person. No. My well, hands are too big, and I don't have the patience for the it. The guys who are good at, like, electronic diagnosis and stuff that's, tend to be good at that kind of work, exactly. too. Because they both require a lot of the same skill set. Sure. Whereas the guys who are more into the bigger, heavier kinds of repairs, like framework, uh-huh. for instance, or brakes or stuff like that, where there's a lot of physical stuff that has to be done, handling tires and all sure. that, are going to be less suited. Well, and, and the parts are bigger. You know, the parts you're dealing with are bigger. Right. This is little tiny, small screws, little clips, all kinds of little small types of mm-hmm. attachment things. And dash work is just is one of those things you really got to be suited for. Yeah, you really do. And going back to the window issue, again, the same example of the window that'll go down but won't go up. A weak window motor can also cause that. And again, gravity is working with this motor going down. It goes down, it warms up some. It starts to come back up. It gets about halfway, and it's straining, so it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And about halfway up, it just stops. Sure. And the key there is if you let it sit and cool off for maybe five minutes and hit the switch again, it may come Mm -hmm. up a little bit more. And then it'll stop. That's the sign of a window motor Correct. that's usually going back. Not a switch. It's a weak window motor. And yeah, not a switch and you know, not a regulator or stuff like that. So it's just watching and paying attention, you can get a whole lot sure. better insight to that. Now a window that just quits working altogether, right. up or down, again, less likely the motor. What you have to do first off is get a wiring diagram to see how the switch works. And doesn't matter what window is not operating because most cars have a master switch on the left front door. Sure. All the wiring goes through that one switch. So if that switch fails, any of the windows can fail. Correct. Now, also, they have an individual switch at each window, which can also cause it to fail. So you're going to have to have a wiring diagram to see how the car is wired 
see if you have power and ground going to the circuit before you start replacing parts. If you've got power and ground going to the motor, the motor doesn't operate, then the motor's bad. If you don't, you have to start tracing back up. And another thing, I know it sounds silly, but it happens all the time. People come in, they say, three of my windows don't work. Mm -hmm. Most windows have an override switch that cuts off those windows so the kids can't run them up and down. On the master switch. Make sure that switch didn't inadvertently get flipped because that's a classic example. Yeah, people come in all the time thinking they got a repair. Especially if you reach down there and you just hit a button and and not, you know, you're you're reaching for something and you accidentally hit that one, not paying attention. Right. We see that all the time. Hey, I see we're just about out of time. I want to start winding on up, tell everybody how much we appreciate it listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast and give us a written review. There you go. Yeah. Help move something in ranking so more people can listen. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.